Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. With a sermon for Sunday, March 20th, 2022, here's our seminarian, Andrew Lazo. They invited me to preach one last time before I graduate. Sure, I said. Little did I know, the Tower of Siloam and 18 dead, manure on the fig tree, 23,000 dead for sexual immorality. Hey, have fun preaching. (laughs) In fact, even the first reading from Exodus, a marvelous reading where we get God's name, but what are you to make of a burning bush? And God's name, how am I to grapple with that? Do you know that the Jews don't even use God's name? They call him Hashem, which literally means the name. The reason they invented Yiddish was so as not to speak God's name. That's a briar patch you threw me into, Father Mac. But I'm cagey now, and I've been in seminary for three years, and I figured it out. I'm preaching on the psalm today. Besides, my Old Testament professor begs us to teach the Old Testament. And yes, I can make, make, a, make our way and make good sense of all of those passages. But actually, it's not a cop-out. Because our psalm today, which I invite you to look back up in your, uh, in your program. It has my favorite word in the Bible in it. In fact, it has my favorite word in all language in it. In Psalm 63. By the way, I think you should all consider coming to seminary and being a seminarian here. I got the best seat in the house. I got the choir here. Peter's playing directly. Oh my goodness. It's verse 3. For your loving kindness is better than life itself. That word in Hebrew is hastikah. Now you may have heard of the word hased, steadfast love, loving kindness, mercy it's sometimes translated. Hased, when you put the vocative thy on it, it takes on a little, it becomes hastikah, thy loving kindness. It's the most important word in the world. And once I graduate, God willing, in a few months and I'm taking, I'm doing interviews in the next couple of weeks. Appreciate your prayers. Wherever I end, I'll have 16 years of ministry before mandatory retirement. That's 56 if you're not a math person. And it'll be my constant theme, the loving kindness of God. I can't apologize for that. It's what C.S. Lewis calls the intolerable compliment this astounding fact of God's loving kindness. So that's where I'm going to camp today. Let me give you a little background on the Psalms. They are, in many ways, the hymnal for the Bible. It's the songbook used by Jews and Christians for thousands of years. This psalm, Psalm 63 in particular, Christians have been using this psalm on the Lord's Day to give praise to God for his great love for us for thousands of years. Benedictine monks love the Psalter, the book of Psalms. 
they recite the entire Psalter in one week. The original monastics, the original monks in Egypt at Skeet, would try to recite the entire Psalter in one day. That's 150 chapters. In fact, if you want to renew your Lenten discipline and you want to, to approach the Psalms, your Book of Common Prayer has it beautifully divided. There's a morning portion and an evening portion. And if you read the morning and evening portion, you'll get through the Psalms in one month. So you don't have to worry like the monastics do. The Psalms are hugely important in Christian tradition, in Christian liturgy, in personal prayer. The Psalms are the go-to book throughout the centuries. The Psalms are mentioned 77 times in the New Testament, mostly by our Lord and St. Paul. The Jewish people who observe love the Psalter as well, and many recite the Psalter in a week or in a month. That's a big task. Have you looked at Psalm 119 lately? There are 176 verses there. But if you haven't browsed through it lately, almost every verse talks about the Word of God. And depending on the edition of the Bible, that psalm in the middle of the book of Psalms is in the very middle of the Bible talking about the importance of His Word. I think we could spend some good time there, and so shall we do today. Let me give you a little background about that psalm. If you look at it in the Bible, it says of David when he fled into the Judean wilderness. Now, we're not really sure which of the fleeings this was because the Bible records two. When David was a young man, maybe even a teenager, working for Saul, Saul went a little crazy and started trying to kill David, which is a bad thing to have in a boss. So David fled from Saul and went into the wilderness. Later on, Saul dies, David becomes king, David has his own sons, his own sons become a little graspy and greedy, and his son Absalom, he of the beautiful heir, wants to kill David, and David again flees in the wilderness. Man, this guy can't catch a break. He's there as a teenager. He's there as a grandfather. Oh, my goodness. I like to think, there's no evidence of this, that maybe David crafted this psalm, wrote that song when he was a young man. And then when he fled in the wilderness for his life once again, he recited that same song to himself to sing of the faithfulness of God. One commentator says, that this psalm is one of the truly great pieces of devotional writing in all human history. Another writer says that this psalm is especially applicable to Lent because it combines elements of lament and affirmations of faith. The early church used this beloved song to open the singing of psalms on the Lord's day. They didn't get just eight verses as we so beautifully did. They would read psalms as part of worship in the early church, and this was the opening song. Elements of lament and affirmations of faith. That sounds to me a lot like David in the wilderness. He goes to the wilderness because it's dry, and when it's dry, no one can track you. But when it's dry, 
you got nothing to drink. Pause dramatically to drink from the water is what my script says here. No food, no drink. Out there in the wilderness, chased by his king, chased by his son, and how does David respond? Praise. Elements of lament, affirmations of faith. Two weeks ago, we heard about another wilderness journey, Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days, fasting, and also praising God for his steadfast love. Speaking of fasting, let me ask a nosy question. It's the third Sunday in Lent. How's your 40-day Lenten fast going? Anybody back to chocolate and wine already? <laughs> yeah, we're going to fast every other day. Um, yeah, let's see how that... No, I'm sorry. This isn't a guilt trip. I've been listening to WAMU. This is not the NPR pledge drive, and I don't need a written report about how your disciplines are going. Mine, personally, have been hit and miss. My Lenten disciplines, my fasts have been, in fact, full of elements of lament as well as affirmations of faith. But maybe my focus is wrong. Maybe I shouldn't be focusing on my Lenten discipline, on the fasting. Maybe I should take a cue from both King David and our Lord Jesus that maybe in my wilderness I should eagerly seek God's faithful, steadfast love and be far more mindful of that than my own failings. Because God's steadfast love is even more certain than my steadfast failing. This reminds me of a poem by an English poet. His name is Malcolm Geith. He's a a former Cambridge academic professor. He's a priest, a wonderful guy, and he's actually visiting our seminary this week. What a joy to have Malcolm amongst us. And he has written, in his spare time, a book called David's Crown. There are 150 poems, one for every psalm in the Bible. And I want to read you just one line from his poem on Psalm 63. See if this sounds familiar. We fall away like every falling leaf, but even as we fall, we yearn for you. O God, you are my God, eagerly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. This sermon, I have to be honest, was going to go a very different way. Hunger and thirst are my favorite things because I love to cook. In fact, the days when I fast, the only way that I get through is I think about what I'm cooking the next day. I tried a new Gordon Ramsay recipe last night. Not only that, do I love hospitality and food and drink. Oh my gosh, there is an amazing passage in the Chronicles of Narnia, and it's my last sermon. I'm going to talk about C.S. Lewis today. The Holy Spirit came knocking on my door. Actually, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a beautiful day yesterday. And the kids in our community play right outside our door. I had all the windows open, the daffodils are blooming. Have you seen the cherry blossoms? Oh my goodness. And the playground in our community is right outside our door. And then I heard rattling out in the hallway. And I opened the door, and what is it? The kids are playing hide and seek. Huh. 
Look at that first line. Oh God, you are my God. Eagerly I... Come on. Eagerly I seek you. So I took a little turn. It reminded me that their playing hide-and-seek is just what's happening in this passage. David is hiding in the wilderness and seeking after God. And then I began thinking. This is not the first time that there's a little hide-and-seek in the Bible. Can you think of any other times where we're playing hide-and-seek in the Bible? How about the first three chapters where Adam and Eve are hiding in the trees and God comes and says, Adam, where are you? But if he got the living translation, he would say, Ollie, Ollie, income free. Come out, come out wherever you are. That's what he's saying to us too. How about Moses? Starts out playing hide-and-seek. Hides in a basket. I didn't have that in my notes, but somebody at the family table service suggested it. And I'm like, that's going in the sermon. <laughs> hides in the bulrushes and gets saved. David or Moses hides in the cleft of the rock as God passes by. Mary and Joseph play hide-and-seek, don't they? Herod's seeking, and they're in Egypt. St. Paul gets some town so riled up that they put him in a basket and lower him over the wall. Hide-and-seek is everywhere in the scripture. Got a question for you. Is God the hider or is God the seeker? Huh? Yes. Both. Yeah. Like the choir could be up here preaching. I think God is the hider. Psalm 97, verse 2, says that clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Are, are, yeah. God, God surrounds himself in darkness. And I don't know about you, but I got three years of seminary education, and he's still pretty hard to understand. I had a class on the Holy Trinity last semester, and I still don't know what's going on. He led the children of Israel with clouds by day and fire by night. God hides. Even Jesus, when he came and preached, the gospel says that he didn't even open his mouth without speaking in parables so that seeing they would not see and hearing they would not hear. God is playing hide and seek. He wants us to find him. But of course, as much or if even more than God is the hider, God is the seeker because as we see in verse 3, his loving kindness, his steadfast love is better than life. He seeks us. Come out. Come out. Wherever you are. What God said to Adam the first day he fell, he still says to us. We love, the scripture tells us, because he first loved us. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except that the Father draws him. God is the seeker of our souls. God's steadfast love, his magnetic mercy, always calls us to himself. As soon as I finish preaching, what happens next? The Nicene Creed, great. We finish up the liturgy of the Word, and then we move to the liturgy of the table. 
right? What happens next? How do we finish our service? What comes next? Eucharist. But before you take Eucharist, we all say the general confession. That's where we come out of hiding. That's where we stop hiding during confession so that we can come home free in the Eucharist. Communion is kind of a little hide and seek, isn't it? I don't know matter I don't I don't know I don't it doesn't matter what tradition you come through come from, it's a mystery about what happens with the bread and the wine, but we know that that's, that those elements are a symbol of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us, therefore let us keep the feast. The elements are in some ways a symbol of Christ hiding in the bread and hiding in the wine. There is his steadfast love. But he's also the seeker still saying, come out, come out, wherever you are. If anyone is thirsty, Christ said, let him come to me and I will give him drink. He seeks us out because of his steadfast love. Now, maybe it's been a while since you played hide-and-seek, but how do you get safe home? Where is safe home? It's at a tree, right? They still do it at the tree? They were doing it there at the tree yesterday. We, too, are safe home at God's tree. The cross saves and seeks us. Because God so loved the world, as we've already heard, that he gave his only begotten son. Wherever, whoever we, we may be, and however we may be hiding today, let us follow David's example, like our scripture from Corinthians said. These things are given not only as, as, as incidents that happen, but as examples for us. Let us, even in our wilderness, even in our affliction, cry out and seek the God who seeks after us. Seek him with all your heart. And as we come today to the Lord's table and his cup again, thanks be to God, as we go from here into our weeks and our worlds, let us remember that along with David and along with Christ, God is hiding in everything. And no matter what the circumstance you may go through, this week, this day, God is seeking through everything to bring us safe home. I want to close with another poem from Malcolm Geith. And this too was part of my inspiration. It's called Hide and Seek. This is us speaking to God. Ready or not, you tell me, here I come. And so I know I'm hiding, and I know my hiding place is useless. You will come and find me. You are searching high and low. Today, I'm hiding low, down here, below, below the sunlit surface others see, Oh, find me quickly, quickly come to me. And here you come, and here I come to you. I come to you because you come to me. You know my hiding places. 
I know you. I reach you through your hiding places too, feeling for the thread. But now I see, even in darkness, I can see you shine, risen in bread and reveling in wine. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Come home to Christ and his steadfast love still seeking you. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. To download future episodes automatically, you can subscribe and have the episodes delivered to you each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. And if you've liked the podcast so far, we would really appreciate it if you took a few minutes to give us a rating. As always, please be well, stay safe, and God bless.